Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruski and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel with us, which means Rebecca Lynch from the Wisconsin Working Families Party is with us. Rebecca, good to see you. Good to be here, Matt. And as always, Robert Craig, our Executive Director here at Citizen Action, joins us. Robert, good to see you. Good day, everyone. So... We have a number of topics we're going to talk about. Um, we're going to start by talking about Foxconn. We spent an extensive amount of time last week with State Representative Jonathan Brostoff. We want to thank him for that. We thought it was excellent show. Um, but we're going to talk more about that because m- more stuff happened after we recorded. So we are also going to spend some time looking at the tax plans that have been proposed, or the dueling tax cuts between Tony Evers and the Republicans. Spend some time looking at that. We'll also have a broader conversation about those plans. Um, We are also going to talk about payday lenders. Uh, The Trump administration is going to, looks like, is going to be rolling back an important uh, uh, regulation around payday lenders. We'll talk more about that. So let's get started. we got to talk about Foxconn. after we recorded last week, <laughs> where it was very clear, right, like this thing was in full meltdown, Trump emerged and apparently declared that, nope, it's back on. They're back on. They're not making the big giant screens as originally proposed, just to remember when we talk about what's back on. He says those LCD screens are back on and the whole project's back on and everything is great. Robert, um, this is is very strange because there was a, a Bloomberg article that came out this week that interviewed 49 different people, a number of people who actually work for Foxconn. And it is shocking in just terms of what appears to be going on here. It is... At this point, it is completely unclear as to a- anything what's going on here other than probably exactly what Brostoff laid out, which is that this whole thing is a sham and nothing, virtually nothing is, is possibly going to happen. Uh, your thoughts, Robert, give you the start, and then Rebecca. Well, what the Bloomberg article looks at, and this won't be a surprise to Battleground Wisconsin listeners at all, it, but it interviews lots of people, lots of employees. So we don't just have to rely on the bizarre leaks coming from the Asian business uh, trade journals and then the denials from the Trump administration uh, from Walker, the boss and Fitzgerald jumped to blame Evers. And a little bit concerning, Evers saying it's back on and working closely with Foxconn, probably out of fear that he doesn't want to this early have killed the Foxconn deal. The problem is... This is looking like a comp- and even, I mean, <laughs> I said horrible things about this at the first hearing, and it like gets worse and worse. Okay, so it's looking more and more like this hastily put together political deal where there was never any there there because the interviews with workers indicate a sham operation. Uh, back in uh, uh, back a long time ago in Tsarist Russia, Peter the Great once put together what are called Potemkin villages to, inf- to impress uh, visitors from Europe that, uh, at, that, Europe, that uh, Russian serfs were actually prosperous, and they were fake villages that went away. They described the same thing happening during Trump visits. And so the whole thing is, is unbelievable. It seems to have been a desperate political play, partly by Trump, 
and Foxconn around the trade war with China and what effect that would have. Walker, because he didn't create anything near the jobs he promised, and therefore he need, thought he needed something, some marquee thing, in order to uh, it in and and big win in order to be reelected, and then just lies. And we have to understand a couple little quick things. It's not just Trump. It's not just Walker. Most of the business establishment in this state has given lip service to this, and constantly, and in the hearing, starting in the hearing, and therefore, and going forward, and Tim Sheehy, the head of Milwaukee Metropolitan Association of Commerce, who's highly influential, no matter who's in power, um, is in the media, oh, it's fine, it's all going forward. And I think one of the more telling things about it is, um, well, for a couple little things from Bloomberg before Rebecca takes off, um, but, uh, um, there's one that, uh, uh, as far as the record of Foxconn breaking deals, which is ep- epic. Yeah. We've gone through it before. Representative Bras stuff, very good from at that. the WeDeck CEO, Mark Hogan, one of our favorite people, uh, saying, we didn't spend a lot of time on that because in the end, we got to know these people so well. So doesn't that kind of reflect the whole WeDeck experience, by yeah. the way? Yeah. Given what that agency uh, has gone through, uh, to actually go that way, and then if you, and then of course uh, Bloomberg again cites all the experts saying that uh, Wisconsin got an incredibly bad deal, that this thing wouldn't pay for itself even if you believe all the claims until 2042, and experts who studied the data saying there's no way this will ever pay itself, and this is just before Rebecca takes over, Bloomberg says it's clearly nakedly political the whole thing and says the only consistency many of these people say lay in the how obvious it was that Wisconsin struck a weak deal, which is what the few people who were allowed to testify against this originally said. And then it goes through the 219,000 in tax breaks and incentives per job and says the only good news is that there, if there isn't 13,000 jobs, it'll cost us less. So it's literally like a bad investment straight out. And so that, and remember, they protected Mark Hogan. He's still in charge of WEDEC. Uh, Evers can't fire him till September, so we don't know what he's doing with Foxconn before Evers can have any real influence and control. So the thing to understand is it's a Trump political play as well. And the other thing to understand is who has the risk? I mean, the, we're like, who's the marks, right? Yeah. Only the state of Wisconsin, only the people of Wisconsin. And what is Trump's business record? figuring out how to extract money or value and then leaving other people holding the bag. So in a way, we're marks, not only for Foxconn and Walker, but for Trump and all of this. Yeah, you know, I think um, one of the things that we remarked upon at the beginning of the show uh, before we started taping was that this is a really thorough piece, really investigative, thorough piece that is coming from outside of the Wisconsin media and also is coming kind of late. And so I think what I would say just kind of like looking forward is I would encourage, um, you know, reporters and journalists to to really um, interrogate some of the claims that folks are making. I think like we got a a lot of great pieces of reporters like referees just kind of like reporting out what Republicans and Democrats were saying about the deal, but not actually interrogating those claims and talking to economists and like trying to do some some work with Foxconn. And it's tough because I think like these reporters have been so, so um, 
you know, under-resourced and underpaid, and and we really have like a de-emphasis on media nationally, um, given given how it's become so much a part of the capitalist system. But it really is unfortunate because this is something that there's so much in here that is like total scoops and really great reporting, and there's a lot in here that we knew and could have known and could have talked about way before this. This and point. people said at the original hearing and wasn't reported. I just want to interject before you go on, Rebecca, yeah. that y- Rebecca, you're a more charitable person than I am, talking about media being defunded, etc. I want to call out the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, when it does economic reporting, is simply a cheerleader for what the business establishment wants to do. And their reporting, a lot of it, has been completely slanted. Um, and the reporter, who's chief, a chief among them in doing this, has a headline across the fold this week, a story saying, did we pay too much for Foxconn question mark? You're asking that now? Really? So that's not about undersourcing. That's about not even doing your job as, a, as, a, as an alleged journalistic watchdog. And then, of course, they promote themselves as, please fund progressive journalism and real journalism. Well, I don't see much... There was some. I don't want to be paid with too bad a brush, and the stuff was in there in some stories, but please. No, yeah, and I know we just have probably about a minute left of the segment, but uh, we can pick it up on the back end maybe. I, I, I feel um, really angry, you know, and, and I think it's really dangerous, um, and I think it's not just the Walker administration, it's not just WEDAC, it's not just Republicans in the legislature, that there are many, many people who helped us get to this point and are like complicit. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll talk about on the back end, but some pretty shocking stuff about about the company that really play into what Robert was saying about how, you know, we got, this is a bad deal for Wisconsinites. Yeah, we're, we'll talk more about this on the back end. It's the reason we're starting the show off is because the scope of how bad this is and it, it, what it's squandering in terms of the opportunity that we could be pursuing, fundamental. We'll talk about more of this. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. And we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We are talking about Foxconn. In particular, we are talking about the amazing piece of journalism by Bloomberg that really... <laughs> has a lot of inside details. Rebecca, before we went to the break, you were about to tell us about some of the details, and we'll talk more broadly, of course, why this is so upsetting. Rebecca? Yeah, I guess, it, just to draw an analogy for a moment, right? Uh, if you go to a used car salesman, and you are about gonna buy a car that's worth like $2,000, and they're trying to charge you $6,000, and someone like, He's like, hey, I think I think that's a bad deal. And everyone else around you, the bank and like friends and people are like, no, no, this is this seems fine. Or like there's two sides of that story. I mean, let's take like an unbiased approach to whether or not it's a bad deal. That is problematic. But then when you layer on top of it that that used car salesman has a history of gouging people and a history of really, you know, uh, I don't know what I can say in the radio, screwing over, yeah, yeah. you know, people in your town, then you really, you know, any any friend of yours, any spouse, anyone around you who says, no, you should totally buy that car, is not doing you a favor. And remember, <laughs> one of the Weedex scandals was about basically giving money to fraudsters who didn't even really have companies, remember, that yeah. were complete scam shell operations. And so... This is like you've done it before and you've yeah. gotten in trouble for it yeah. and then you do it again, right? Yeah. And so like and and you know we we talked uh, in the last segment about how maybe like 
you know, I'm displeased with the level and, and type of reporting we had in the lead up to this deal. But one thing we did know that is known, that is reported on, that was, was known, is that this company has a history of scamming communities. Like a history of that. And then the president's involved. And so the, I, and the president's <laughs> involved, yeah. Speaking of histories of scamming. And so so I, I think that that was not properly appreciated or interrogated. And I think that it, it's like the used car salesman who has a history and is, is widely known for scamming people. And your friends and family are like, no, no, this is going to be different. This is going to be fine. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of color in this and article. Oh, go ahead. There were some voices. There was, you know, Jonathan Brostoff, Amanda Stuck, State AFL CIO, us, environmental from the, movement. us from the beginning, environmental movement. So, but they, it was all drowned out by the cheerleading and by the false equivalency. And like, we're going to get a monorail. It was literally further, like that kind of fervor, right? And like, furthermore, they, the way the journalistic journalists, traditional ones, see the world, they have this one side, other side, as you were yeah, pointing out before, yeah. Rebecca. So they saw our side as political. When, and so just the other political side and not in power, so therefore covered less. That's another journalistic bias. When in fact, this was a naked political play all along, and the only way to critique it was non-politically. But if that becomes political, if critiquing a naked political play becomes political... How do you do your job as the fourth estate? And like I, you know, obviously, like we, I have so many issues with this deal, like ideologically, and you know, I've I've oh, all yeah. these issues, but I also don't like to be made a fool of, and I was scammed, and like we were scammed, and we were made a fool of, and there's so many. I, I agree with you know the the few truth tellers in in the legislature and maybe on the campaign trails, uh, and then then us, but like. Everyone else in the state allowed us to be made a fool of by, by this company that has a history of doing this. And there's a lot of color in this article. I encourage folks to read it. But there was one thing in particular that I wanted to, to read just to really underscore how embarrassing this is for all of us. Like, I'm truly embarrassed. So, uh, you know, Foxconn chairman Terry Gao, um, you know, is a really interesting character. And there's a couple things in here that you might want to read. Um, if you get a chance, but you know they, they say he's notorious for punishing um, you know certain managers of his who who upset him by making them stand for long periods in meetings, and he's an aggressive negotiator. And Genghis Khan is one of his personal heroes, which is what he said. I mean, what so fine fellow, fine fellow. He, d- he did get things done. He did. I, you know, he he Jesus he Christ. had his way with us, right? I mean, you know, this guy who idolizes Genghis Khan, who is notorious for being you know, very aggressive and getting exactly what he wants, not not trying to look out for the good of the people of Wisconsin, came in and totally steamrolled the Walker administration. I mean, it's truly embarrassing. Walker's desperate, right? To- to- right, because there's a political motivation here. Walker is desperate. And, you know, they end up getting this deal that, like, when you, you know, we all know what it is, but when you read it again, um, it really is shocking. You know, all of the tax credits, all of the exemptions. Um, we, we just handed them. It literally it's historic w- in, in its size, right? Well, all so you need to know is it's six times higher than the average amount, the typical amount paid in economic development deals, which is a low bar. Economic de- development deals are bankrupting cities and states, okay? So they're horrible. They have horrible times all the time. This is six times worse <laughs> right. than something that's a horrible area, right? Totally. It's like six times worse than the average payday loan, as we'll talk about later. Um, and then the second thing is, if you took $3 billion, not 4 so you can inflate this. So if you took $4 billion and put it in education, 
economic, basic economic multipliers, it would actually create 100,000 jobs. So even by simple economics, you should take the money and make a direct investment in education. Same with healthcare, green jobs, et cetera. So yeah. I, did you have something more you wanted oh, to say? Oh, no, just like super quick. You know, in the final bid, they wrote it on a single piece of paper. They slid it across the table, they being Wisconsin officials, right, and WEDEC, offering $150 million in sales tax exemptions and $2.9 billion in refundable tax credits. And they slid it across the table, they opened it up, and they said, Terry, the chairman, wants to do business with Governor Walker. Like, thank you so much for this giveaway. So... I want, we need to remember this and the dollar amounts we're talking about, billions, yeah. right? Billions. When, when we talk later about the tax cut plans and, uh, and, yeah. and what they're debating about. But before we get to that, and we'll do that later in the show, this needs to be put in context, right? Because, Robert, you started to go there. You started to talk about what we could be investing this money in that would actually create opportunity and jobs. And I thought it was useful to have this conversation to start off on the day that nationally the the green the uh, uh green job ah, the green new deal is being introduced and this is very exciting uh it is being introduced of course uh aoc and ed markey are sort of the lead sponsors but a number of uh good progressive democrats and others are out supporting the green new deal which really quite frankly is almost exactly the opposite approach of what you what we have done in Wisconsin with Foxconn in terms of the kind of company what we're investing in how we're throwing the no accountability versus the vision of what actually is in the green new deal which for folks who don't know and I'll throw it to Rebecca or Robert for further comment but I mean essentially what we're trying to what they're trying to do is get to zero emissions in 10 years and not only do something that will is radically important f for our for our climate and for our for for our environment, but to restructure our economy and actually bring equity and bring jobs, good paying jobs to everyone who needs jobs and 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 in these in this new uh, this new economy around uh, uh, renew around climate justice jobs, which is like really really big stuff and super important. Robert, your thoughts, especially in this context with uh, Foxconn. And even conservatives claim to know this. You know, conservatives like to say that the New Deal didn't bring us out of the Great Depression because government doesn't work, which is factually false in terms of this. It was World War II. Well, even that's their argument. They love to make this in the right-wing fake think tanks. But even if you grant that premise, well, why did World War II create a lot of jobs and bring the economy out of the Depression? Because direct investments in building stuff and mobilizing around a major crisis creates jobs, creates opportunity, right? So we have something not a war, something more complicated uh, for your conservative mind, and that is a climate genocide that we are help generating, right? So you have this existential need for us to completely reinvent our economy, our energy system, et cetera. And so it provides an opportunity not, in order to create, not only to create a lot of economic growth and jobs and prevent this or mitigate it, because it'll happen to some degree. It's a question of you know, what percentage of the population is going to perish in it. That's what we're talking about now, quite uh, honestly. Uh, and, but in addition, since we know we have a highly unequal society that is unequal based on race, that is unequal, inequality has skyrocketed because of the triumph of conservative ideology in the last 40 years, you could also make these investments in a way that actually met the promise of the, of the American dream by providing opportunity and better outcomes for everyone, including finally 
getting over the fact that being born African-American makes you far more likely to have limited life prospects than being born white, which is outrageous ever, but especially we're over half a century past Brown v. Board of Education, and the numbers are horrible, right? And so this is the kind of vision we need. So we can't just be against Foxconn. This is what this is important about. And I'll say that we're working, Citizen Action, Sierra Club, 350.org, and a and, and, and number of others on a Green New Deal for Milwaukee. So this is something that we're directly involved in. We had a retreat last weekend about it. So there are things people can be doing at the local level on this, too, in addition to supporting the great leadership we're now getting from the young guns at the national level who have risen with, with a much broader concept of what is possible in our country. Yeah, and I'll just say quickly, you know, one of the young guns that we are seeing kind of like a rising star is Mandela Barnes and Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes. And he spoke to this um, immediate need to do something on climate in his Working Families Party State of the Union address. And I can talk more about that uh, in the next segment if we want. But yeah. just want to shout that out. Yeah, we're going to we're going to quick take a break. And on the back end, we'll talk more about that. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Also, if you listen to us on iTunes, really want to encourage you to like us, you know, rate us, leave a message. It actually helps people find our show. And we've been starting to really grow on iTunes, and we'd like to actually push that virility. It's not something we spend a lot of time talking about, but please, uh, if you do um, do that, please do that for us. You're Again, you're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are talking about the Green New Deal. And Rebecca, before we had to go to break, you were talking about Mandela Barnes, our lieutenant governor here, and how he had a response to the State of the Union, was really centrally focusing and talking about this vision in terms of where we ought to be going. Yeah, I mean, it, for folks who didn't catch uh, the lieutenant governor's response to the State of the Union, it was really bold and, and um you know, it was great to see someone that we all know so well from our, our spaces, Milwaukee, born and bred, kind of on this national national progressive stage. And so I was really honored that he agreed to do it and really proud of him. And it was just keep getting messages even even this morning about how great it was. Yeah, shout out to the Working Families Party for pulling that together. That's great. It was great. Yeah, yeah last yep. year we had Representative Donna Edwards who gave the response. And so this year was really cool to have someone from yeah. Wisconsin. Um, actually, Two people from Wisconsin gave uh, responses. Cause I think Stacey Abrams, who gave the Democratic response, was born in Madison. Yeah, you're <laughs> way to shoehorn so in we're a just, Wisconsin connection. Yeah. But she was awesome, yes. She was, she was great. <laughs> come back. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Please come back. No more Georgia. Bad, bad. No, we need her in Georgia. We need her in Georgia for sure. You know, uh, and so the the whole speech was great. There are transcripts online. I think he was covered in um, a couple publications uh, who mentioned him. Um, the AP gave him a mention. I think Essence wrote something about it. The Intercept um, had had some quotes, but uh, there's definitely transcript online somewhere. But specifically, since we we're talking about the Green New Deal, just on climate, yep. you know, he said. You know, according to the best science available, which we all agree with, I think, we have just 12 years to address climate change. And he called for, you know, what we're talking about right now with the Green New Deal, you know, a massive investment to bring our nation into the 21st century on the scale of trillions of dollars, which would create millions of jobs along the way. And it's the only way to get us off fossil fuels and to stop climate change. And, you know, I think, he, you know, there, he said a couple other things. I mean, he pointed out, you know, that the president's top priority is to build a racist border wall instead of building the clean energy economy we need and to keep and to keep us safe right we needed and he said immediately we needed immediately and so i think 
you know, all of that is like a, you know, Wisconsin tie-in to what we're talking about here with the Green New Deal, that this is something we have to do. We have to do it right now. We have to do it at a massive scale. And that these other things that the Trump administration is looking to invest in or, you know, the Republicans in Madison want to take money out of a government that we need to do the opposite. And so I just wanted to kind of uplift some of what he said on climate. Um, I don't know if anyone had any No, that's awesome. Add. That's why we like Mandela so much um, and why he has not only he's already influential, but he, he'll, have, he'll grow in influence. He'll be our AOC potentially as we move along, right? Uh, and there's a lot of local stuff going on people should know. They can be involved in. We need the purse of the federal government to do it for real, to, like, to get to a 10-year goal like AOC is proposing. But, you know, setting the framework, like we didn't get the New Deal. We wouldn't have got the New Deal without what happened in Wisconsin on fighting Bob Follett. So what I, I mentioned what Milwaukee is doing that we're involved in. We have two co-op members in Eau Claire who have, through the city council, produced a, a very, a, you know, whole planning process around around getting the whole area of Eau Claire to uh, meet, meet the Paris climate targets. Madison and Dane County both are working on this intensely. And uh, Eric Genrich, who's running for Rio Green Bay, a, a citizen action member, is also this is part of his platform to to work on this. And so, and and part of what he's talking about, he talked about in Battleground Wisconsin a few weeks back. So just to say that there's a lot of ways people get involved, but the national push is essential if we're going to do it for real. And we, we need a starker contrast, and that's, I think, what Matt wants to talk about later. Um, saying we're going to do tax cuts for the middle class a little better uh, than the Republican side is, well, a little better, but it's, 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 it's not a compelling vision. Yeah, well, first of all, I, th I just want to, I'm glad we could have this conversation because I think it's really critical and just congratulate all the leaders uh, nationally who are running out, putting this out there, even though we know, right, like we understand legislatively it's not likely to pass. It is absolutely well, not now, anyway. not this moment. Right? right. But it's really, really important. And this is why that we're going to lead to the conversation about what we know is possible at our state level right now versus what's out there. Right. I think it's really important. And what's amazing about AOC and a number of other f young folks who've been running is that they're really bringing these critical moral questions and calling them out. Right. And, and wanting us to have a public debate in the same way that um, you could argue Trump is doing with his wall. It's a loser. But like in his world, that's a big thing. It's visionary. Right. Like it's it's insane. But and AOC was talking about this this morning, right? Like that is what's so important about the Green New Deal, Medicare for all, big visionary things that are easy for people to grab on, grapple on, and and call out the problems, the moral problems we face in our society, and the fact that we're melting down the earth. Like like there's nothing more critical than that. And so just big big ups to them because even if this thing right when we know where it's going legislatively, it is changing the discussion. And so let's get to yeah, what I we just need. want to say yep. one other thing real quick. I know we have to run. That is, there's really other bold stuff in here. It includes Medicare for All, yeah. the Green New Deal. It includes it's a in there. job guarantee, a guaranteed job, which is the cutting edge. It includes family medical leave uh, and vacation time and, and, uh, and retirement security. So this is like literally achieving the, the progressive agenda that I'll, most Democrats say they support for real because most of them are not supporting anything in Washington that would actually achieve these goals for in, in a real way, in a full way. It's a major restructuring of the economy. But look, here's also one of the fundamental differences in terms of what's at debate here. So supply side or 
Reaganomics, right? Um, Laffer curve, all of that kind of stuff. This notion that if you give people tax cuts, wealthy people, you can even argue the middle class, right? And as it'll lead to our debate coming up, that that will stimulate in the economy and lead to job growth and 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 more revenue for 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 the government, right? So that's how they can argue or project or say that hey, if we give tax cut, you'll see growth and that'll bring more revenue in. Da 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 da. Green New Deal is exactly it's making it's it's exactly the opposite. It's but it has actual facts behind it that if you invest, if we go and do deficit spending or invest in these things, it will lead to pay off sixfold down the road, and that's how you grow the economy. That's sort of the fundamental premise behind it. Um, so the question that it calls to people is, do you believe that premise could actually lead to growth, or do you believe just giving people tax cuts, supply side, will actually lead to growth, right? And which vision do you really believe? And so that's what's really, I think, very radical about this and why we have to lean in on this and, and, and be okay with the fact that when people say, oh, it's not fully funded, how are you going to pay for it? You know what? We're going to pay for it because when we make these investments, these strategic investments, they actually have payoff. They are investments. They're not just giving the money away, right? They're not just Foxconn. They're not just giving the money away. So with that, we need to, I want to set up, we'll probably have to go into the next segment. We got to talk about what's going on here in the state. So budget's coming out. Um, Evers, we mentioned, is probably going to be giving a budget speech later this month, maybe uh, maybe early March, but we think late this month, it February. Will. It is definitely now set for, what, February That's 20? That's not public. Uh, that, is, that is my information from yeah. the Capitol. So, but, so what's come out this week, the big news, and I use that in air quotes, is the dueling tax plans between Tony Evers and the Republicans. And so I'm going to... Uh, go to one of my uh, panelists, Rebecca. Let's lay out. I want to first lay out for everyone before we go to commercial, before we go to breaks. So we got about two and a half minutes here. Just the core differences between the two proposals, as 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 we know it. So the Republican proposal, which Governor Evers says he'll veto if it comes to his desk, um, you know, would basically be I think it's like a three hundred and forty million dollar annual tax cut. Um, most of it would be to increase uh, for the, 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 okay, let me just read this out. The maximum deduction would increase 20.6% for single people making less than $127,000 and joint filers making less than $155,000. The average cut for all filers would be $170. So there's, uh, Robert could probably give like a little bit more detail on the, the Republican tax cut but it is essentially like a large tax cut that like doesn't pay for it. Like we don't have the money for it. Um, and so it's like, we should, we should talk about it some more. I'm sorry if I don't have all the details, but the, the governor is putting forward, instead of not putting forward a tax cut, is putting forward his own tax cut, which is like slightly less large. Um, it would offer, um, actually, what was that? Um, the Evers, the Evers tax cut would be larger than the one proposed by Republicans, and it would be over uh, the next two-year budget. It would cut income taxes for about $890 million, by about $890 million, while the Republican plan would cut income taxes by $500 million. So this is all as being reported by WPR. I don't know. I'm What's So this was instructive. Yeah. 
it, was it? Like, I feel well, like no, it. here's why. Like, you're a political professional, right? And, like, we had to, like, literally go through and read the difference because there's nothing, like, sort of emotion, like, right off the top where you're like, oh, here's what the difference is. I mean, in a nutshell, the difference is, right, like, he's, Evers is proposing that we take back part of the Man-Ag tax credit to fund permanently a middle-class tax cut. It doesn't pay for all of it. But, I mean, we're really talking about less than a, uh, a fairly small amount of money here in the differences between these plans. We're not, I mean, this is not some radical difference. Robert, your thoughts? Thank you for the facts, <coughs> Rebecca. Sorry. No, 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 I mean no. it because I'm going to say something similar here. I'm going to say that's all the facts we need, and in fact, we should forget the facts and just talk about what matters, right? And it's a, and and, and I say this to our whole audience, because as you know, I love all of our fellow progressives, because we come out of science and social science and facts, we get like real granular, real quick, and therefore looking at one tree in the forest, right? So I just want to go, because uh, we have enough facts, it's good we have them, but let's, let's jump out, right? So we're going to go right, we got to quick take a break. Yep. We're going to come back and finish our show with this great conversation and listen to Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Robert, you were going to tell us about what we, to get out of the facts and uh, tell us what the fundamental difference is between these plans. So the big contest in this country about achieving all of the progressive ideals we talk about every week um, has to do with whether we're going to basically loot the government, which is Foxconn, right, or by the, the Trump tax cut, right, which is mostly corporate, or whether we're going to uh, develop enough revenue in a fair way, right, to actually make the big investments we need to make in education and green energy and healthcare, et cetera. And that's why Citizen Action, Kids Forward, other allies did an alternative budget during the last Walker budget saying, here's what we could do with extra revenue if you got rid of the difference in treatment of capital gains. In other words, taxing uh, investment income at a lower rate than work or man-ag tax credit, et cetera, right? And so, and then we had all these exciting investments. You make tech college free, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the juxtaposition. And so the Republican, we can just, it's like the Trump stuff. All they want to do is run on giving people tax cuts. They always want to set it up so it mostly goes to wealthier people because they think it deserves, they deserve it more because that's who pays for them and that's their ideology. But they're about, they're an anti-government 40-year agenda. They're about taking away the resources to even do anything that we would like to do to expand prosperity, economic, and racial justice, okay? So that's easy to dismiss. It's nothing, and, and the messaging Democrats have on the Trump tax cut is all good and, and accurate, right, and fine. The problem is, the problematic and more interesting part is that, this, that you know, if we were not, if we were a parliamentary system, we'd have a lot more than two parties. So in a way, there are multiple parties within the Democratic Party, and so Evers is representing a different party than the people on Battleground Wisconsin, though we share a lot, right? So what I would say is good about Tony Evers, because we obviously don't want to pan him or say that he's not trying and isn't doing good things, right? He is correct to go after the Man-Ag tax credit, okay? So that's a breath of fresh air. He should just eliminate it. But what he is doing, and it's kind of, you could, it's the kind of thing po political people come up with, since the Republicans are going to say, oh, it's small farmers, because that's why they threw in the farm part, right? Uh, if it's a $300,000 cap, then obviously small farmers aren't paying $300,000 in taxes, right? So that's the reason. But that's a perfectly good way to increase revenue. The problem is what you're doing with the revenue. You should be putting it into schools, Tony. You should be putting it into health care, right? 
or into, into green jobs, but instead he wants to duel over the tax cut. And that is a road to disaster, especially given the Foxconn situation. But it's, it's more driven by a political analysis that we have to be competitive with them on the tax cuts. And it may be good for polling in the short term, the next Marquette poll maybe, uh, but not really because their response is you're raising taxes on someone else and people aren't going to figure out that they're talking about not uh, taking away a tax break from Foxconn and they're going to get $300,000 of it, right? And they're just going to make it think it's an average person. So in the propagandocracy, I think it's a muddle anyway. But I think we need to stand up for the need for revenue and fair revenue. And I'd rather see much more radical tax reform that increased revenue but also reduced the tax burden on the people who are really struggling, right, in our society and our state, people who can, who, who can barely get by, which is a lot of folks in the urban and rural areas. Yeah, no, and I think, you know, in regards to those folks, you know, tax credits aren't exactly as, um, they don't really promote the kind of equity you want to see, you know, that you have to be able to navigate getting the tax credit, you have to pay taxes and then get it back. Um, I think, like, direct investment in our communities would be something that would be more useful for those folks. One exception, uh, it's not in most of this coverage, I don't think, Matt, unless you saw it or Rebecca saw it. He does have a good earned income tax credit. Which is a little bit of coverage. It is in there, yeah. and that is real. That is a, that is a what? since it's refundable, that's a direct payment to supplement the wages of low-income people who are working and still are in poverty or near poverty. I think, you know, to your point about there's obviously there's an ideological disagreement that we have, and then you kind of also touched on like the political strategy disagreement, and I, I guess it seems to me like you were saying that the political strategy here is to kind of like I think you used the word muddle, but oh, we're all kind of trying to cut different taxes, and Me that's too right, right, right. And I I just wonder if like for the average person there isn't much to like glom onto there, and and maybe that's the like I actually am not a hundred percent sure in terms of like political strategy what's better. I mean, the if if he weren't doing this, and he were doing direct investment. Republicans would say we want to cut your taxes, and they don't. I, I don't. I don't really know what the with the with I'll the Wisconsin my, media what the what I'll winning is. Give you well, that's true because yeah. media reason we talk about it, it mediates what's possible, right, and distorts it. It's its own lens. It is not some factual mirror that is perfectly accurate, right? Quite the contrary. The polling is overwhelming. The deeper opinion research. Don't just look at polling, folks. It is that people would choose big investments that strengthen their communities over tax cuts, okay? And, and the Marquette poll showed consistently they'd rather have schools spending their property tax cut. That is an example of that. But the key is they have to think the money is actually going to that and not to the cesspool in Madison. They think that, it, that it's, a, it's a corporate interest lobbying bonanza there, and it is, especially with Walker. But if you had something bold, like we're going to reduce class size to 20 and we're going to make tech college free and link that to a tax increase, it would be popular. But you need someone to propose that and frame it that way. Well, and that, that's why we brought up yeah. the Green New Deal, right? And that's the whole point of what AOC and th those folks are saying. We want to call out the moral questions, and we think we can win those in public debates, because if we can't have the public debate, we lose. We'll lose to, the, to private interests that control the structures and the systems. And so it's really critical that we're constantly having this debate. And why I wanted to talk about this is I don't feel this gets us into that debate. And so, you know, if... 
Democrats are wondering around the state this weekend when they're like, gosh, I'm not sure why our, our, our framing on the tax thing didn't really catch fire. Maybe the way like some of the discussion was nationally around Green New, Green New Deal, that's part of it, right? Like it, the, there's just not enough to fire and get people excited. Plus, you're still making the fundamental argument that I think if I give this tax break, it's going to lead to greater economic growth than if I had made some significant investments in, in, in creating opportunity. And, and that debate is lost here at the state level. It's We're not necessarily unique. having it with this, even though I, w I, I agree Evers' plan is better than, than the Republican I mean, plan. Evers but is a work in progress, right? So part of it's inertia. This was the Doyle uh, approach, right? This would have been the Barrett approach if he ever won, yeah, right? But, so but it's the old playbook, I and so they default to it. We do have a hope. Uh, I'm saying we have a hope of moving the Evers administration by this advocacy to take a different position. I'm trying. I'm this, I, that's all I'm saying now, right? I'm not disagreeing with you. I know. At all. I, I know. But here's the thing. Here's the difference, right? This is his first budget, right? This is right. where you do things big and you like you come out and you state who you really are, right? That's why it was important for AOC to have this come out now and not wait to like, oh, when I'm actually in a position to do something about it, when when I could make this a reality or da da da. No, I need to come out and at least like create clarity. It's why we struggle, right? Like, we want to expand Badger Care through uh, taking the federal money, right? But Jesus, like, that's not the conversation. It's why we work really hard to talk about that broader. We need to have Badger Care for all, Badger Care Public Option, Medicare. Because if we don't have that vision, right, we lose a lot of the energy. Uh, I'm agreeing that it's a yeah. missed opportunity, but there, I, I want to have a nuanced view that Tony's being very strong on Badger Care expansion. I, I get that. I know, yeah. and he's, well, just for the audience so they don't misunderstand us, yeah. I know you get that. And the other thing is he, want, he, he ran on eliminating WEDEC altogether. That was very bold. But this is a misstep, in my opinion, both strategic, maybe ideological. Um, but we need to push him to understand, have the courage of his convictions, yeah. right, to understand that people would rather you put money in schools, produce a budget like that. Well, maybe he just feels like he really, you know, a thing that is big and bold is what he's doing with Manag, and he can't do that without offsetting the conversation yeah. with this. I think you that know? is it. And and if he, you know, I think it's a lot, if you get rid of that now, that's a huge difference um, for budgets down the line. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Well, it, yes. I think you're totally right, Rebecca. No no doubt. Like, And my goal here is not to be like, oh, Tony Evers is terrible, right? No, I want our show to be laying out that vision and do it in a way where it's like, like I saw an article the other day where it, it paints like there's going to be a war in the Democratic Party, da da da. Yeah, there sh there ought to be a war of ideas and, and vision, but that doesn't mean we need to tear Tony down. We need Tony. We need other. We need other people who don't share our values to win. But like we got to win some of these bigger argument fights, and we got to start talking about those. So that's what I'm hoping we can continue and will continue to do on the show. Because it's difficult when we're trying to co-govern with Tony. I agree with also, everything you said, and let's remember what the other side is. So, just one little example: the payday lending rules. Big news this week. So they've decided they had this minimal reform that said a payday lender actually had to establish that the person could likely pay it back. Yep. When we know the goal of the industry, fund by Wall Street, is to get them in a situation where they're where they literally lose all their assets by paying, you know, 25, 35 percent or higher, 200 percent interest rates. Trump wants to roll that back. That's where we are on the other side. Yep. Well, we have to wrap this show up. Uh, it was a great conversation. We're going to continue to track this. 
uh, and uh, the budget is going to be on us very quickly. Uh, next week, uh, we should have our second installment of uh, what the Sarah Godlewski is uh, the state treasurer doing. Uh, and so we look forward to talking uh, with Treasurer Godlewski next week here at the Battleground. We want to thank our producer, Brian Wildridge, who makes the Battleground Wisconsin happen every week. And we want to thank our listeners. And again, if you uh, listen to us on iTunes, please uh, like us, uh, rate us highly, of course, and uh, make comments. It actually does help people find our show in search engines. So again, we'll see you next week at the Battleground Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs>